Hey everybody, this is Jeremy, and welcome back to the latest episode of The Memory Vox. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, quick disclosure, if you happen to hear some tap-tap-tapping in the background of my uh, recording here, that's just my puppy, because I am recording at my kitchen table, because I have the house to myself this morning. So I uh, figured best time to get a, a recording in is when nobody's here, and I can just kind of sit here and gather all my thoughts uh, for the episode, which ironically, behind the scenes also, this is my fourth try getting this started, because it was harder than I thought for some reason. Um, today's topic was something I was looking forward to talking about, and in my head I had it all mapped out, and then I sat down, got everything set up, started talking, and my brain just kind of froze up, and yeah, everything started coming out sort of gibberish, so... Here we go. We're going to try it again for the fourth time. So it's a lot more uh, difficult than most people think sometimes to just sit here kind of by yourself staring at a computer screen talking, uh, assuming somebody's listening to you. Uh, it doesn't always work out. I'm not getting facial cues or body language or you know can't tell if people are bored or happy or whatever the case may be. So sometimes I try to start these and I get about halfway through and I have to just scrap it and throw it all away because I realize, oh my god, I sound like complete total moron. So, But I'm feeling good today. I'm happy to be recording again. Busy few weeks. Um, but uh, today's particular topic that I'm going on is one of the reasons we were so busy. Um, so let's go ahead and get into it. So uh, just last week, my wife and my youngest daughter and I got to cross off a, a big bucket list item from our list. And uh, we took a spring break to travel to New York City, to Manhattan. And it's something that uh, I've always wanted to do. Always seemed intimidating, but we decided we needed a nice little vacation and sat down and kind of started talking it through. And one of the things my youngest daughter has always wanted was a, an official playbill from a Broadway show. And, you know, full disclosure, so did I. So we just set out for the, the Big Apple and uh, spent a week there and got to check out a couple of Broadway shows. And uh, that's kind of what today's episode is about. So when I was uh, growing up, when I was in high school, I'd be about my youngest daughter's age at this point. Uh, I was really into basketball and music, of course. I was playing basketball, and I thought I was going to be the next, you know, I don't know, Michael Jordan, Dan Marley, whatever. Um, and, uh, you know, didn't make the team my sophomore year and was crushed and didn't know what to do with myself. And uh, I decided to try out for um, theater and a, and a play at the school. And it was really outside the box because... Um, I'm sort of a quiet, shy person, um, which might also be why it takes me like 1500 takes to actually do this sometimes. But, um, and, uh, I really just, you know, fell in love with, uh, the stage and, and, uh, it was just always a lot of fun. I met some really good friends there, um, uh, from all different backgrounds and, you know, it sounds sort of cliche and silly uh, being in the late 90s, but, you know, 
my particular theater group was a a complete mixture of the breakfast club and we had our star wrestler was part of our theater troupe and we had our class stoner was part of our theater troupe and our valedictorian was part of our theater group and uh the funny thing was we all just really got along and it was great and it was fun and we came up with plays and put on the musicals and did all that fun stuff and it was really just something that uh really got me through the last couple of years of my high school uh, because a i had a group of people i could you know talk to and uh, be myself around and and being on stage was always just a way to kind of uh lose yourself and forget about you know your everyday troubles and all that stuff so now of course by this time i have lost my ability to sing i don't know if you ever really lose it but my uh, squeaky high adolescent voice was not really doing the trick so i never really sat down and and tried out for any musicals but musicals were always my favorite and i just felt kind of like a unicorn a little bit because you know I love sports. Um, you know, I played basketball, football, the whole nine yards. I was a very much active person. But what I really, truly loved was uh, musicals and putting those on and the singing and the dancing and all that stuff, which always sounded a little weird. But it was something I always uh, just truly appreciated. And as I've gotten older, and I've even told my kids this before, um, Listening to a musical soundtrack for me uh, often is a good way for me to kind of reset my brain a little bit sometimes if I'm having a rough week or if I'm having a rough day um, or just in need of kind of a pick me up, I'll put on a you know soundtrack from one of the uh, Broadway musicals. I think there's just always something about a good musical that just, you know, it's like reading a book, essentially. Um, telling of a story, picturing it in your mind's eye, um, but seeing what you're picturing uh, on a stage being performed in front of you just takes it to a whole new level. So, you know, today I wanted to kind of break down, you know, some of my favorite musicals and uh, some things that have always just been a source of entertainment for me and why I enjoy them so much. Now, as I was younger, obviously Rodgers and Hammerstein were the big driving forces in the Broadway musical department, and as well as Andrew Lloyd Webber. Um, I've had the opportunity to see Phantom of the Opera, not on Broadway, on an off-Broadway production, and it is obviously still the longest-running show ever in the Broadway history, um, and probably one of the most popular ones, and it it really holds up. It stands up. Love the music. Love the the uh, imagery that it paints. And it's just such a great show. And, you know, that was in the early, you know, 80s. Um, you know, you had things like Phantom, obviously. Like I said, you had things like Cats. And you had, um, you know, The King and I and stuff. And those are still classics, you know. And they're still trying to perform those now or reboot those, if you will. And I don't know if those are ever going to completely go out of style. But what really was a turning point, you know, for me, um, and I think for theater in general, was um, 
this particular soundtrack, which I'm going to play a little clip here, um, and when it broke into the the mainstream, it changed the way that Broadway and um, theater are doing things now. So I'm talking about this particular um, play here, and I'm going to play with some of those liberties again here and give you a little clip here. And that, of course, is um, th just the beginning few lines of, uh, of Rent. Um, I don't know if anybody's had a chance to see um, on Netflix recently uh, the, the movie Tick, Tick, Boom with Andrew Garfield, which, in my personal opinion, should probably win Best Actor. Probably won't, but his portrayal of um, Jonathan Larson, who um, created the uh, musical Rent, and... Uh, sadly posthumously died the night of the first uh, show on Broadway um, you know it was such a game changer because he took the pop and rock elements of the world and, and turned it into this musical really adding that piano and the, the guitar and, and really changed the way we can do things on on the stage nowadays that, of course, is going to lead to, um, you know, inspiring people like Lin-Manuel Miranda, who will later come around and, and write In the Heights. And, of course, you know, the most popular musical uh, to this date right now in Hamilton. People like Larson were able to figure out that you don't have to stick with the uh, bubblegummy kind of uh, orchestra you know, type of sound to create a good visual environment. And he was also thinking about changing with the times. How, how are you going to keep um, Broadway running what it would be now, you know, 20 years later with the same old style? You had to, you had to make a change somewhere, much like in music. You have to have this constant changing environment if you're going to have it succeed, you know, down the road. So... And, and Rent really was a game changer for a lot of reasons, too, because you were able to take um, the current political environment that the, that you were living in in that society at the time and put it on stage, which, you know, is essentially what a, a Hollywood director does. But people on Broadway are saying, hey, we can do the same thing and bring in the same entertainment and tell the same stories. I mean, as we all know... Um, you know, Larson, when he wrote Rent, was was a complete game changer because he was taking on things that was taboo at the time. He's taking on, you know, LGBTQ stuff. Um, and of course, the AIDS crisis was big at the time. And he's taking those on and he's showing and painting a light behind the scenes of what that's like, especially um, having seen it from his own eyes with a lot of his friends living in uh, New York City and and in the theater environment, you know, a lot of their friends and, and were were dying of AIDS and, and it, it was something that was unknown, almost like COVID is now to us or was at the time. Nobody had an answer for it. Nobody knew what what to expect. And he painted it in a light and said, "Hey, this is what we're seeing, and this is what 
this is important and pay attention to it. So Rent is always one of those go-to soundtracks that I'll listen to whenever it is humanly possible. Um, it just it kind of makes you feel good. Yeah, I love the beat of it, obviously. Um, I love the story behind it. And if I'm at work and I have put it on my headphones and I'm just kind of walking around doing my job, it just kind of just makes me feel good, paints a picture, and, and I can, I guess I can see it while I hear it, um, and I can picture it, and I know what's going on, and I can imagine the play and having seen it. So, so we fast forward a little bit, and like I said, Larson was able to inspire so many new and up-and-coming Broadway people, including a guy who's basically a can't-miss right now in Lin-Manuel Miranda. And when we were in uh, New York this last week, I, I was secretly kind of hoping I was going to be able to uh, run into him. It would have been really fun to... Uh, I mean, if I could sit down... Honestly, if I, if I could sit down with any particular writer, director, producer, whatever, I think it'd be Lynn. I mean, look at his, his body of work, especially right now. He's on fire and he can't miss right now. But obviously the most notable and what may eventually overtake Phantom as the probably the most popular musical of all times is you have as is Hamilton. So again, he's taking on Lynn, excuse me, is taking on, you know, essentially what we're kind of seeing in current um, timelines, if you will, sorry, I'm losing my train of thought there, of the political landscape, but he's painting the picture of what our forefathers, this, um, you know, these stories that we always heard, and he's painting it in a in its own light, I suppose. I guess what I'm really saying is he's flipping the script on it. And what he saw when he was putting this together was a group of a whole bunch of old white men who decided kind of what our future holds in this country. And he turned it into, uh, I guess if you want to think of it this way, he, he basically turned it into something that most old white men can't stand and made it into a rap and then chose every ethnicity he could possibly come up with to play the parts of these people. And it was truly, obviously, as most of you, if you haven't seen it, I, I, I mean, what are you guys doing? Go watch it. It's on Disney+. Plus, so you can see it anywhere and stream it on YouTube. But, um, you know... Just the ability to take a story, put it on stage, and and make of it what you will is a process. I mean, essentially, it's, it's just not easy. It's not an easy thing to do, and it takes a lot of talent to accomplish such a task. So, But before I start to lose my, my train of thought again as I'm kind of going through this and start rambling, and I don't mean to, what I wanted to focus on, like I said, was just talking a little bit about um, musicals in general. And I'm really curious, after I put this out, I want to get some feedback. You know, what are some of your favorite ones, some that you've seen? Um, like I said, last week we had the opportunity to go and watch a couple of shows on Broadway. And 
you know, like I said, having done theater myself, having seen off-Broadway productions, to see Broadway um, is definitely something you have to put on your bucket list. It is a step above. I've seen a lot of shows, whether it's done by high school or semi-professionals in my town, but Broadway is, is the next level. If it was a sport, it is the MLB compared to the minor leagues. I think it's because they have the money, they have obviously the talent and the means to do so, and you know the stage production and everything that you see is is next level. And so I'm not gonna. I highly recommend if you ever get a chance to put this on your bucket list, go see a Broadway production, preferably a musical. But we also you know took the time to see Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, which was also mind blowing in its own way. So. You know, take the opportunity in your lifetime if you get a chance to see see something this spectacular. So if you're wondering what did we go see, we let our 16-year-old daughter pick it out. It was last year's Tony Award-winning show, and it was Hadestown. And here's a little clip of what we got to experience. Oh, come on! There was a train coming up from way down below. And that was the original cast, and that was the one we got to see, which was just such an amazing, amazing thing. We got to see the great uh, Andre De Shields, um, who's a staple in in the Broadway production. Uh, you know, for seventy six years old, the man still has some moves, and his voice is spectacular. Um, Patrick Page. Um, playing Hades has a voice that is so just crazy deep and the fact that he can hold those notes is just absolutely insane when he hits that hello and it's just so its bass is so booming it's just it's an amazing thing if you get a chance uh, you know check it out if even if you have to even if you can't make it to New York to see the Broadway version I know they're on tour take the time um you guys know how I feel. I'm a big arts person. You know, go to your local theaters, see your local productions, you know, watch your high school kids' performances. This is the future of, of arts and entertainment, um, and I'm a big supporter of it. So, pardon me, in my, in my opinion, get out there and check it out, uh, whatever you can, whenever you can. So, in, in my days, I've always said that, you know, music is my... Um, therapy and it, it calms me and it it makes it takes me to a place of feeling good bad whatever um, and on those on those days I have three three basic musical things that I turn to when I just really need to um, I have Huey Lewis the news which is is a, a subject I will co- uh, cover at some point in time on the podcast um, you guys know how I feel about Van Halen and uh, Broadway musicals. And uh, between those three, if I need to feel good or if I need to relax or if I just need to, I guess, reset, um, that's what I'll turn to. So, um, you know, I hope everybody is having a great week. I hope everybody is doing great. Thank you for taking a few minutes to listen. Um, to my ramblings a little bit about uh, something that I truly enjoy and love dearly. Um, 
I was trying to come up with some weird, interesting news to add to the end of this, and honestly, I couldn't really come up with anything. I was trying to keep it on, on the the the, the uh, uh, Broadway musical theme, and really couldn't find anything too terribly interesting, except for as to point out that that my main man, Lynn Manuel Miranda. Um, as most of you guys know, if you guys know what the term EGOT means, it's a, it is a uh, person in the industry who's won an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony. There are currently 16 people in the world who have actually done it, and Manuel is one of them. And he's probably going to be one of the first ones to probably double EGOT, which is almost unheard of. Even Andrew Lloyd Webber hasn't accomplished that ter- uh, title. But, funny enough... The other accolade that he holds is that um, for Hamilton, I believe. I, uh, now I'm thinking, rethinking my research here because I uh, uh, deleted it. But he was also a MacArthur Fellowship grant winner, um, which, for you know, nerds, I suppose, if you will, is a um, as a, a grant given out every year to the highest, excuse me, I'm losing it there, see, I'm losing it. It's the highest honor given to um, individuals who have shown um, basically originality and dedication to their creative pursuits. Um, it's a big deal. I'll just say Google it if you really want to have an idea. Um to really give you a, a, a better background on it. But, you know, yeah, Lynn, on top of, you know, being an almost double EGOT winner, um, is truly talented, and he's winning awards all over the place. And I, I would say that if you don't know about him, start following him now. Uh, you're never going to be late to the party, but uh, you're – what we always say when we watch sports is you're witnessing greatness at its highest peak. And I think right now, in spite of everything that he's done, he can only go up from here and it's going to only get better. So obviously I'm a big fan. If anybody knows him and they want to shoot him my uh, information, I'll talk to him. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm sure that'll really happen. Anyway, uh, you guys have a great week. Thanks for listening as always, and uh, we will be back in a couple weeks. Peace out.